0: This is America on the Road, named Best Radio Show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 30th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. In the news this week, Lexus has just introduced a new version of its RZ battery electric crossover. It offers more range and a lower price than the previously introduced RZ450e. McLaren has just introduced the GTS, which it said offers supercar driving dynamics alongside daily usability and comfort. New study shows that Tesla drivers are the most accident-prone. The drivers of other brands are in for some criticism as well. We'll have the details. America on the Road is brought to you by drivingtoday.com, yourtestdriver.com, emlancy.com, the publisher of my latest book, Dance in the Dark, and Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com autoinsurance. That's drivingtoday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. I'm Jack Red. With me is guest host Matt DiLorenzo. Matt is a frequent guest host and author of the great new book, How to Buy an Affordable Electric Car, a Tightwad's Guide to EV ownership. He's also the former editor of Road and Track magazine. He and I worked together at Kelly Blue Book for many years. He's a terrific guy and great on the program. Welcome to the program, Matt. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be here, Jack. Have you completed your Christmas shopping? You're all, all set
1: for Christmas? It's uh, you know, a, a couple days away. You know, I am. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. As you get older and your kids get older, I think it somehow gets easier. I'm not fighting for the latest Lego uh, set or anything like that. Yeah. So yeah, I'm good. I'm All's glad. Good. I'm glad you're good. Yeah.
0: My wife handles most of this now. She loves to shop. I rarely leave my desk except when I'm driving cars so uh, it works out well she yeah. she handles a lot of that and off we go what vehicle will you be road testing this week
1: you know I'm going to talk about the Honda Accord and we've talked about the Accord before but I got a lower trim level and I want to talk a little bit about uh, when you're buying a car what trim you get can really um, impact your ownership experience so um, so that'll be my subject today.
0: Well, enjoy listening to that and, uh, and participating, because I was driving a similar version, maybe even the exact same car that you right? were driving, that ex-version of the Honda Accord. I'll be road testing the 2024 Toyota Sequoia. It's a full-size SUV. My family and I drove the Sequoia out to the desert for my mother-in-law's Christmas concert. Wow. Interesting duty, right? Uh, gave us a great opportunity to use the Sequoia as it was meant to be used. I mean, isn't that somebody's dream come true, to go to their mother-in-law's Christmas concert?
1: (laughs) Well, out in the desert.
0: Yeah, out in the desert, right? She's a voice crying out in the wilderness. Yes, it was a voice in the wilderness, (laughs) a voice in the desert. We'll tell you uh, what we discovered coming up about the vehicle, not about my mother-in-law so much. She's a lovely lady, by the way. This week, our special guest is one Matt DiLorenzo. You've probably heard of him, Matt. I think Uh, so. Yeah, We're going to do a (laughs) year-end review and... Uh, we'll talk about what's hot and what's not, uh, and what has not been hot in 2023, uh, and uh, maybe our thoughts on the North American Car of the Year competition. It's coming to mm-hmm. fruition now. We're in the midst of the final voting. Final voting uh, Results will be announced soon, right after the first of the year. So as jurors, we'll have a little bit more insight than maybe many on what could win. So we'll talk about that. Before we do anything else, though, let's uh, talk about this news that we've announced, uh, Lexus is introducing the RZ300E model. It's more affordable and has longer range. I think it's addressing two two criticisms of the vehicle, kind of just like that, right? I mean, uh, it kind of makes sense that they're doing that. Significantly less expensive, about $56,000 versus $61,000 base price. It's a front-wheel drive vehicle, interestingly enough. What'd you take on that? I think uh, they're probably addressing something that needed to be addressed. Yeah, you know,
1: I think they, you know, with Lexus, it's a luxury brand, so you you know, more is better, higher, you know. Uh, the the 450 was an all-wheel drive vehicle and they were they were also going to try out some new technology which didn't appear which was like a steer by wire thing that was kind of funky <laughs> um but i think by going front drive i think that's one of the reasons the just having a two-wheel drive electric vehicle it will go farther than an all-wheel drive it's lighter you know it doesn't use as much uh juice so uh i think they need to do it i mean if they if the 450 is languishing on the lots bring out a cheaper one.
0: Yeah, cheaper with more range. And I think the more range might be the uh, trump card here. It's 266 miles of range versus maybe 220 or something 20. like that. Yeah. And uh, as a guy who drives an electric vehicle every day, <laughs> you know yeah. that, that that 40 miles probably makes some difference, doesn't it? it? It makes a big
1: difference. And I and I think that that's, that's one of the things that was kind of disappointing with a lot of these luxury SUVs that were coming out. And a lot of them had a range of around 220, 230 miles. And I think people are expecting a little bit more, especially when they're spending that kind of money.
0: Yeah, well, and you get the Zootier versions of these, the more expensive versions maybe the all-wheel drive version or you get the one with the larger wheels and suddenly your range drops pretty significantly Uh, and that's pretty unexpected I think from people they're they're thinking man I'm spending more money I should get more range
1: not less right 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 so you know I think they're addressing that Um, again it's not a big part of their lineup yet you know and I I think the big thing (laughs) when you look at Toyota is that they are in the electric car game but mainly they're really all in on hybrids.
0: Yeah, and uh, maybe we can talk about that when we talk about uh, you know what was hot and what was not this year. Mm-hmm. I think there's uh, a lot to be said for that. Yeah, this is a pretty good vehicle. It's certainly well-equipped vehicle, as you might expect. And for a luxury brand vehicle, I guess $56,000 isn't <laughs> isn't that big a, a stretch. Comes in two grades, premium and luxury. Starts with 18-inch wheels. As I say, when you add uh, wheel size, go up to 20-inch wheels, you lose, I would say, a significant amount of range. Um, is right. an interesting interior. I think you've driven this uh, as well as right. I. I think we were both on the launch, if, if memory serves. But, you know, what's your take on the RZ overall?
1: Well, it's a nice vehicle. I mean, from a size perspective, it's just a little bit bigger than the NX, which is their kind of entry-level uh, compact SUV. But it offers the room of the larger RX. So it's a really nice kind of tweener vehicle, Um, it drives great. But again, you got to be ready for an electric. You want to, you know, you want to be able to have home charging. You want to be able to make sure, you know, this all this stuff that's going on about, and this is another confusing part, is uh, people switching over to the Tesla fast charging standard, or do you go with the CCS and Electrify America? I think there's a lot of uncertainty out there. So I think a vehicle like this, if you have a home charger and it's your everyday driver and you don't drive very far, it's a a really nice uh, alternative.
0: Right. And I think what Lexus is counting on is uh, Lexus fans. They they certainly have a lot of people who are dyed-in-the-wool Lexus aficionados. They love them. They've uh, had Lexus vehicle after Lexus vehicle. And they're looking for a comfort level, I think, from a brand that they know when they buy an electric vehicle, they're taking a big step. So uh, mm-hmm. That could work for them. Yep. Let's talk about this uh, GTS from McLaren uh, replacement for the GT. It has a uh, carbon fiber monocoque chassis, super lightweight engineering. I, you know, I love the fact that this is a gasoline powered car, <laughs> twin turbo yeah. four liter V8 engine, 626 horsepower. In some ways, it's not as quick. Well, in some ways, I guess. In one way, <laughs> if you're going straight in a the line, there's only one way, right? Uh, it's not as quick as a lot of cars. Uh, Electric cars these days, but zero to sixty in three point one seconds is to me pretty darn good. I, what's your take on on this vehicle?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting because McLaren, coming out of a race car team, Formula One team, uh, always had an edge to their cars, and that, that that was the thing they were selling was this sort of very fast, all about the handling, track ready car. And the fact that they're they're kind of backing away from that a little bit and and uh, offering a, a grand touring kind of version that you can take on a weekend road trip, I think they're probably listening to their customer base saying, you know, I wanna use this car more than just, you know, tearing around town or going to a track, I, I really wanna, I wanna do some road tripping with it. And this is, a good, this is a good response to that.
0: Well, let's talk about this uh, survey, uh, the study that we uh, teased a little bit earlier in the segment, this is from LendingTree actually, and they say Tesla drivers have the highest accident rate they had twenty three point five four accidents per one thousand drivers. Ram drivers were next, and interestingly, Subaru drivers were next after that. I mean, not necessarily intuitive, right? In in a lot of ways. What, what are your thoughts? You know, it may be
1: for different reasons. You know, I think <laughs> right. I, I think like with the Tesla drivers, maybe they they put too much faith in the self or auto. You know, the auto driving sort of characteristics, and they're not paying attention. I think the Ram drivers—it's just a big vehicle, and it's hard to keep track of where your corners are. Yeah, yeah. The Subaru one—I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, I mean that's—I always thought that those kind of people were kind of cautious and careful, and you know, it was sort of the Birkenstock, you know, crowd. But yeah, maybe they're older drivers.
0: Maybe they're paying attention to other things, or you know. Yeah. Who knows? Ram had the worst drivers overall. This, according to LendingTree, so don't blame us. This is the LendingTree yeah. survey. I'm not sure exactly how it was done, but I thought it was interesting. Another one that I thought interesting too, before we get out of this, is BMW drivers have the highest DUI rate by a <laughs> wide margin. And like, huh? Wow. Yeah. Who would have guessed? Bardia. And uh, <laughs> drivers of Mercury, a brand that uh, you know is not being sold Doesn't these exist. days. <laughs> Uh, We're the safest drivers, the best drivers, depending on how you... They're dwindling in numbers, that's why. Exactly. So I'm not sure who did this survey, but uh, we thought we'd bring it to you and you can take it for what it's worth, which might be worth a lot, might be worth not that much. But when we come back, we will have vehicles that are worth a lot. The Honda Accord, we'll be talking about the new 2024 Honda Accord and the new uh, Toyota Sequoia as well. So stay with us for that. With Matt DiLorenzo, this is Jack Red with you. Thanks so much for being with us. And stay with us. We'll be right back right after this. <music> Welcome back to America on the Road with Matthew. So with you, and it is road test time. And uh, we're North American Car of the Year road testers uh, here. You have a couple of the jurors uh, testing at least one vehicle that's uh, has qualified for North American Car of the Year consideration. It's a finalist. And Matt, you were driving it. it is the Honda Accord? Tell us about it.
1: Well, I had driven the Honda Accord Touring at the drive we did in um, Ann Arbor in uh, October, and uh, they wanted to send another one, and I got the EX trim level, which has the one and a half liter turbo four cylinder engine, a CVT, a front drive. Uh, the upper trims are hybrids with a two liter normally aspirated engine. So I wanted to I wanted to experience the range and you know the um the EX the powertrain it gives you almost the same amount of horsepower it's 192 versus 204 the area where the hybrid shines is in torque it it, it has almost 40 more pound feet of torque and it, it it accelerates a lot quicker in the in the hybrid but i found the EX was a perfectly capable comfortable car honda does a great job with driving dynamics you know the steering's light at low speeds and then it the weight comes up and it gives you really good uh feedback at 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 uh, road speeds and it's a comfortable car but i had a little bit of a problem with the ex trim level (laughs) and i'll tell you why It, it has it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that the other car says it's considerably cheaper it starts below $30,000, thirty thousand uh, dollars you only get a seven inch infotainment touchscreen which is good and bad it's smaller but the good part is you get more knobs now on the upper you know the big 12 you are I and I, that's a big bugaboo of mine is that the the uh, controls are um, uh, you know the touchscreen it, it it's a distraction to me I like having more buttons and switches and you get those in the ex but the uh, front seats I had a eight-way adjustable front seat for the driver and then on the passenger side it wasn't it just had a four and aft adjustment and the seat is like right down on the floor and uh, my lovely wife said this thing it I can't raise the seat and she felt like she was sitting down in a bucket and you just can't raise it up and and if you want to get an adjustable passenger size you have to go up another trim level which can cost thousands more but this underscores the fact that when you're shopping for a car, look at what each trim level has, and make sure you check out things like the seats and and the passenger
0: seat. Like you might drive right. and sit in the driver's seat, right? Odds are you will, but you might not
1: sit in the passenger seat, right? Exactly. And and again, you're making a decision on a vehicle that's you know you're going to have for a bunch of years. And if you're not happy with something and you discover after you've bought you know you bought the car, that's not a good thing. So right. Well, I did like
0: the EX, and uh, like you, I wanted to drive a, a lower trim level, kind of more mainstream in a lot of ways, although I think Honda, they're, they're expecting kind of a 50-50 split between hybrid and non-hybrid, uh, but still, that means 50% of the people are going to buy the, the ve- vehicle much like we drove, because right. uh, I drove that as well, and I think it's just a, a really nice, large car. It's It's mm-hmm. not very exciting looking. Uh, either inside or out, uh, but extremely functional in a lot right. of ways, maybe because it's additional knobs, maybe even more functional ergonomic yeah. than than the, uh, the higher trims, the touring trim. Overall, I, you know, I liked it a lot. I think um, good economy, plenty of power. I, the CVT did not bother me. It bothers no. a lot of enthusiast it's, it's drivers, but it, it was pretty benign. Um, mm-hmm. All in all, large trunk space, put a bunch of Baseball equipment in the back. I think uh, one of the, one of the times I had it. So um, all in
1: all, I I liked it quite a bit. I give them credit. You know, that's a segment that um, there are fewer and fewer competitors every year. I think, uh, you know, there's a Camry, um, the Nissan Altima, and then you have the Koreans, the Sonata and the, um, and the Kia in there. And they could just rest on their laurels. But every time they do make improvements, and, and, you know, the car is a little bit quieter than the previous gen. It's got, like we were talking about, the the CVT is much better uh, than earlier iterations, and it gets a relatively good fuel economy. I mean, uh, you, you're looking at about uh, uh, 32 MPG combined with, with the EX, so uh, that's not bad for a car at size. It's a good, It's it'll fit five full size adults in comfort. Yeah, absolutely
0: in comfort and their luggage too. It's got a, a yep. very large trunk. Well, I was driving a, a large SUV, full size SUV, a kind of old school SUV. It's not a crossover, it's built on a truck chassis. Uh and I'm talking about the uh the Toyota Sequoia, the newest edition. I think <laughs> the newest edition after uh, you know 12 years of the previous edition, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh Just a a, a darn good vehicle all the way around, Uh, 435 horsepower, tons of torque, 583 pound feet of torque, can tow up to uh, 9,500 pounds or so. It's got a, a hybrid powertrain, so it does smooth out the power. I think that's one of the things we found about hybrid powertrains these days is they can apply that electric torque where you need it. To smooth shifts and just make acceleration that much better. You don't need, need a ton of power all the time. You need a, a lot of power in certain situations. And I think oftentimes a hybrid is able to provide that. This is a three-row vehicle, full-size uh, SUV, as I say, uh, available with a TRD off-road package if you want. But I think most of these are going to be suburban runners out there taking kids to soccer practice and, and that kind of thing. And I found it extremely comfortable, very roomy, Uh, I like the uh, infotainment system now. I mean, Toyota infotainment systems have come a long way since they've decided to take them on themselves and execute them themselves rather than leave it to others or leave it to uh, folks in foreign shores (laughs) to do. (laughs) Americans like their infotainment system in a particular way, and I think uh, this is is, uh, matching up to to what we want. Um, I just think all the way around, maybe some people might... uh, have a little bit of, I don't know, difficulty. It's it's highly styled, shall we put it that way. There's a lot of creases and, you know, the exterior is, is pretty busy. Maybe that's not to everybody's taste, but uh, boy, I I, seem, I just like this vehicle quite a bit. Plenty of
1: surface excitement, as we yeah. used to say about the design. Right. But, you know, the, that vehicle, those vehicles are really, to us, what the full-size uh, station wagon was when we were kids, which were, you know, body on frame, V8 powered, big, can haul a bunch of people and a bunch of stuff. And I think they've done a really good job. And And the vehicle underpinning it, the, the Tundra, uh, uh, is, is a solid, you know, basis on which to build a vehicle like this. And uh, I think people... That's, they flock to these vehicles. Toyota's yeah. been successful with the Sequoia, and certainly the domestic manufacturers have been successful with their full-size you know, body-on-frame SUVs right. as well.
0: Well, I think this, this vehicle is very competitive with the contemporary uh, Chevrolet Tahoe, for example, or Ford Explorer, Expedition, rather, that are about the same size, a kind of, uh, again, separate body-on-frame truck-based traditional SUVs with big motor up front. I think they uh, they had the advantage of this hybrid power. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. result in excellent fuel economy. No. Uh, and I was also a, a little bit surprised by the range. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I filled it up after this trip out to the desert uh, to uh, see the concert. I actually didn't see the concert, though. I, I babysat the dog while everybody else went to the concert. So, you know, I took that bullet, not, not going to the concert, but uh, somebody had to do that. And... Um, you know, when I had filled it up, I only had like 300 miles of range, and I was pretty surprised by that. So maybe, uh, I don't know, if it was the speed at which I was going or, or what, but uh, I would have expected maybe a larger fuel tank. Yeah, <laughs> you how, know? Big, how
1: many gallons did you put in?
0: I, you know, I'm not certain to tell you the truth now, but uh, it wasn't near empty. I, you know, I, it struck me that the I actually, I filled it up when it was about half empty or something like oh, okay. that. So. But the range of 300 miles. I filled it all the way up, and I had 300 miles of range, which I was, I guess, expecting more, especially given the hybrid powertrain. But that's kind of nitpicking a little. This, this vehicle is terrific for hauling around as many as uh, seven or eight people uh, with plenty of luggage space, very modular cargo area. Uh, I just like the vehicle a lot. I think it it does a lot for people and, you know, made them very competitive in a segment where just because of the age of the previous Sequoia, they were kind of losing out. Mm
1: -hmm. What did it cost? What was the price point?
0: It was up in the $70,000 range Mm -hmm. in that that vicinity. It's competitive. Yeah. So very competitive, you know, full safety equipment, Toyota Safety Sense 2.5, which has uh, a ton of uh, ADAS features. And uh, all in all, I just... uh, Enjoyed the vehicle. Yeah, I think very competitive. I I would also shop the domestics, but you know certainly give the Toyota Sequoia a look uh, now if you're in that uh, in that marketplace. And I think so many of us are. And, and you know that's another place where electrics are just not going to be that big. <laughs> you know, uh, we're seeing some three-row electrics now, but uh, they're not full-size body-on-frame type vehicles. So yep. Well, when we come back, we will be speaking with our special guest, who is a guy named Matt DiLorenzo. We'll be doing our end-of-the-year review, talking a bit about uh, what happened in 2023. Heaven knows, tons of things happened, (laughs) didn't they? And we'll have some thoughts on the North American Car of the Year competition. We're both jurors, so we'll give you our take on that. I I have a little insight into that. And uh, so we'll we'll talk about all those things and so much more when we come back with Matt DiLorenzo. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. Inner peace, self-respect, emotional fulfillment. Are you finding these worthwhile goals difficult to achieve? Are you looking for success and satisfaction in your job but not finding it? Are you thinking about starting a business but don't know what will set it apart from all the others? You can continue to struggle on your own, or you can unleash the undeniable power of the GR factor. I'm Jack Red, host of America on the Road. For years, I've found success in business and in my personal life by using the concepts I outline clearly in my book, the GR Factor. Your best self is inside you right now, just waiting to be unleashed. Inspiring all that is the best in you, the GR Factor will guide your journey, elevate your game, recast your relationships, and transform your daily life. If you want to change your life for the better, read the GR Factor. It's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at emlancy.com. That's the GR Factor by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out. Welcome back to America on the Road with Matthew Lorenzo, Jackie Red, back with you. We're so glad you're with us. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for being with us on America on the Road. If you like the show, please recommend it to other people. Pass it along. You can pass along our podcast. Let people know when you listen to the uh, show on the radio. We, we love terrestrial radio in addition to uh, podcasting, so that's terrific. We're happy to be on the Map Radio Network station. So Thanks for joining us, and as I say, if you like the show, uh, subscribe to our podcast and pass it along to somebody else who might like it and let's talk a bit about 2023 a very eventful year uh for the auto industry um i think a lot of people thought it might be the year of the electric car <laughs> maybe it is in <laughs> in a more negative way, a way than we would than we thought i mean <laughs> what what to you matt i mean as a guy who was at automotive news you certainly uh reported on the industry for years and years and years at automotive news auto week and, and road and track what What are some of the things you think are the biggest stories of 2023
1: well i think the slowdown in ev sales is the is the big story of the year and a lot of people are either panicking and running around with their hair on fire or saying the electric vehicle is dead and neither is the case but i i think some economics are catching up you know to the manufacturers I still believe the the big key to the r- reason that things are slowing down is the affordability issue. And that's, you know, I wrote my book on how to buy an affordable electric car, the Watts guide to EV ownership, and in there I even made the case and I started this book 2 years ago saying there are only about 8 vehicles under $40,000 in the EV. And it hasn't changed all that much. And I think that that There the might thing. be fewer. <laughs> And there yeah, might, say be there might be. Fewer. Yeah, You have the Bolt. The Bolt is going to be going out of production at the end of the year. I, you know, uh, GM's promising to bring it back by 2025, but they also promised to have the Equinox EV here by now, and that's pushed off to, to 2025. So, you know, I, I think it's a great thing to talk about, but in terms of the reality, it it projects much larger than the the actual impact on the overall market, um, you know. And everybody talks about, well, here's the solid state battery, and it's going to be, you know, that the silver bullet updates and battery, But that none of that technology is here, and there are so. And what few, that would
0: do is obsolete all the electric cars that are on the road right now, right? I exactly, mean, exactly. Uh, I, you know i, I was uh, looking at used ev prices recently right. and, and you know did a did a little bit of a story on that some research on that and boy they tumble <laughs> evs tumble in value i think it's because a lot of people a secondary market for a a luxury car for example there's, there's a large secondary market for that a lot right. of people are willing to buy a, a used luxury vehicle they're not necessarily luxury car buyers but they want <laughs> want a good reliable used car to, at a reasonable price and they will certainly consider uh, a luxury brand vehicle but those people are not looking at electric vehicles at all there's just no, no. consideration because they're afraid of that they don't and they don't have home charging ability maybe uh, you know there's a right. lot of lot of um, difficulties i think in in making that happen so
1: uh, I, I just looked on KBB just the other day to see what my 2022 leaf is worth. And I paid about 30,000 dollars for it. I got rebates and all that other stuff. So effectively, it only cost me around 20 grand. but it only has 10,000 miles on it, and the best I could get for it in a private sale would be 15 grand. That's half the value of the MSRP in just two years. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big hit. So, yeah. but they still have a role. You know, I think people are discovering that people who certainly own EVs don't need convincing. They love them. I think there's a lot of curiosity over them. I was at the LA Auto Show during the public days talking to people about them. And they're, they're, they're basically, the people were like, should I get an EV or shouldn't I get an EV? And then there were very knowledgeable people who could, you know, recite. The verb. And they hadn't, they hadn't pulled the trigger yet. They're still kind of, you know, but they studied up and they know. So um it's it's really an interesting market, but the the I think the side effect of all this wailing and gnashing of teeth over EVs is that hybrids suddenly are getting newfound respect. <laughs> that people are saying, well, maybe I can get a plug-in hybrid that'll give me 40 or 50 miles of, uh, of EV range. And then when I want to take that road trip, I don't have to worry about finding a broken charger or something out in the middle of nowhere or getting stuck. So to me, a dose of reality has been injected into the market and it's electrification is coming. It's just not going to be here overnight and it's not going to be complete. Yeah. Well,
0: I think the latter is really important to, uh, to look at it's not going to be it's certainly not going to be completed in my lifetime and i expect right. to go a few more decades i'm hoping right uh, so we shall see i think one thing that really became clear to me in 2023 is electric vehicles are basically uh, for the luxury crowd <laughs> you know though they're for affluent buyers they're for multi-vehicle households mostly people who have single family homes they're not for every man <laughs> and every right. woman out there they're just not and we're not Going to come close to seeing a hundred percent adoption unless we have vehicles that appeal to pretty much everybody, and they're just not there. I mean, the the price point is high, right. and uh, you know the the hurdles you have to jump to own a, uh, an electric vehicle on a day-to-day basis. You know full well what the they are. There are some. Um, right. Not everybody wants to deal with that.
1: And I think there needs to be more. Um Emphasis on, on smaller, lighter vehicles with smaller battery packs that may not go as far, geared more towards the urban audience. But until you can build a charging infrastructure that will work for apartment dwellers and condo dwellers and and people like that, you're just not going to see a significant bump in, in EV sales. So um, it's coming, but it's going to take a while. Yeah.
0: Well, so I think that was the big story. Let's talk a little bit about North American Car of the Year. I mean, we're coming up on it. Uh, we're in a place Check. right now where we have to have our votes in by the end of the end of the Wait. week. I think maybe your vote is already in, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, my vote is not because I've got a, a couple of vehicles. I, you know, I need to, to drive before I make my final decision, or at least that's what I've decided to do. But there are three really interesting contenders for North American Car of the Year: uh, the Prius, the Honda Accord. And um, the Hyundai IONIQ 6, to me, that seems like kind of an old tech car. It's just like Kia EV6 all over again in a a, a bit of a different form. Uh, But Mm -hmm. what's your take? How do you handicap this field?
1: Uh, To me, I I agree with you on the IONIQ 6. My personal take is I find the styling a bit odd, a little off-putting. But the Accord represents sort of -of state-of-the-art in traditional uh, ICE midsize family sedan, and I give it a lot of credit. I, but I'm I'm sort of leaning towards the Prius for two reasons. One, it does represent the future. You know, the fact that they do have a plug-in hybrid and a, a regular hybrid. But the other thing is that they finally addressed the styling. <laughs> it truly is a handsome car now, a car that you would be proud to own. I think before they were trying to make a statement with the styling, but it was just kind of either you were in or out, right. so... Um, well, and as a driver I, of a Nissan Leaf, you certainly
0: know about styling. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the first one was terrible, but the new one is okay.
0: <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think it's a gorgeous car. Yeah, yeah. The current Leaf is uh, yeah. much better looking than maybe the original... More conventional. Frog-like yeah. uh, vehicle. What your take on, on the trucks? I mean, uh, that's a conundrum for me. You have the Ford... Super duty you have the the midsize Chevrolet truck the Colorado and then you have and I almost considered etherware the you know the Silverado EV the Chevrolet Silverado right. uh, electric vehicle I only etherware because I don't see any and it, it seems still right.
1: off in the future yeah you know again like the cars there are three totally different approaches. Uh, one's a mid-size uh, uh, truck which i think is a very practical alternative to a full-size truck um you have the super duty which ford has done a tremendous job you know it's that's not a truck for everybody but i i give them credit for the drivability for the for a package that big you know so you know its primary purpose is to pull stuff but if you're going to use it as an everyday driver you can you can actually do that so i give them credit and and the same thing on the Silverado. I don't think it does anything that the Ford F-150 Lightning uh, um, does. It, Except does maybe new. a little more range. I think a you lot know, more significantly range,
0: significantly more range. But
1: but again, the vehicle that is eligible is the work truck. <laughs>
0: And it doesn't have some of the coolest stuff that the Silverado exactly. EV has,
1: right? So I, you know, I give them credit. I mean, I like the styling of it. I think the styling of the Silverado EV—it's kind of like the old Avalanche. It's it's basically a unit body as opposed to having a separate um, bed for a trunk. And they're promising to bring back the midgate that the Avalanche had, with but it wasn't on the work truck. So. I I give them a nice try but maybe next time when the, when the, the uh, a more consumer oriented Silverado EV is up for offer.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd be fascinated to see what our jury of uh, 50 peers, I guess there's 48 others beyond you and me, uh mm-hmm. decide on this. So we'll be seeing that soon in the beginning of January. We'll we'll talk about that. And when when hand when we come back, he said so articulately uh, we will have listener questions and that kind of thing for, with Matt Lorenzo. So stay with us for that. And we'll be right back right here on America on the Road. <music> Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Matt Lorenzo. This is you know, I think Chris Teague will probably be with us next week. And uh, Merry Christmas to him and his family. And Merry Christmas to all. We're just a couple days from that, that big day when Santa comes down the chimney. So... Uh, gala Christmas greetings to everybody and uh, and thanks to you for listening to America on the road. we do appreciate it. Let's take a listener question or two um, before I get completely off track and uh, start talking about cookies and coming down the chimney <laughs> and all of that stuff, having a swig of milk, uh, all that. Here is a l- listener question from Brandon. He's in Mesa, Arizona. He says this, I'm about to buy a new vehicle and I'm wondering whether I should get a regular car, a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, or an EV
1: which would you guys get this is what brandon asks brandon (laughs) it depends on what you do i mean it's a it's it's your decision you have to understand how you're going to use the vehicle how far you drive it isn't like i'm going to tell you i get a plug-in hybrid and you should go do that or you know i own an electric vehicle but maybe you're the wrong person to own an electric vehicle especially if you're in the heat of the desert in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, let's say you like to go to the outdoors. You want to drive up into the Superstition Mountains. You may want a Jeep. You know, so uh, a lot of it depends on how you intend to use the vehicle. Is it your only vehicle? Is it a vehicle that you're gonna you're gonna drive every day, or is it a fun vehicle? So. Uh, there isn't a one that's the beauty of the auto business is that there isn't a one size fit all solution for everybody, at least not since the VW Beetle, I think, or the Model T. Right, right. So and we don't live in the Soviet
0: Union where every, if you're going to buy a right. car, you have to buy the one car that they make. Right. I yeah. mean, happily, yeah. we're, we're There's not so
1: many choices and and there are questions you have to ask yourself. Uh, or ask somebody else. You know, um, it, it's more of a conversation rather than just one question.
0: Yeah, I always recommend that people buy a car that they love, right? Or, or yes. the kind of car that they love, the kind of vehicle that they love. Some people might love a Jeep. Some people might love a two-seat sports car. Some people might want a three-row vehicle that can tow a big trailer. I mean. And Or a, a pickup truck. And maybe they want a pickup truck and they they, they don't live on the farm. They're not a tradesman. They right. just like the idea of having a pickup truck. And I think that's the beauty of this market. There's something like 350 or 400 separate so models available out there. Uh, you know, why not get something that you re- you're you going to spend a lot of money <laughs> if you're buying a new vehicle. Get something you enjoy. Get something that's, that's
1: cool to you. You know, when people ask us, and I'm sure you get asked all the time, what kind of car... They already have in their mind what they want, and it's an emotional response. What they're seeking from us is the rational, real-world reason that they can use to justify their emotional want. And that's fine, and I think you can do that. I think no matter if you see a car that really you like and and really you want, you, you can find a reason why to buy it that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah.
0: And oftentimes they want us to endorse that decision, and frequently we do. Right. And sometimes we go,
1: eh, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's, that's I, kind of a no. <laughs> I think anybody who was in the market for a Pontiac, Pontiac Aztec back in the day would have gotten a hard no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's for a most. few now where I go, eh, fun yeah, to drive,
0: yeah, not no. necessarily fun to own. Right,
1: Yeah. right.
0: Here's another question. This is from Stephen in Benton Harbor, Michigan. I'm going to spend the winter in Florida. Good plan, Stephen. And I'm wondering what car I should rent for the next couple of months. What are your thoughts
1: on that? Hmm. Well, I'd rent a convertible.
0: Yeah, right
1: with you. (laughs) If you're going to be in the sun, you're going to have some fun. Again, it depends on what you're going to do while you're down there. But if I I would rent a fun car. I mean, if, if your idea is to be out of the snow and somewhere warm, get something enjoyable to drive. I wouldn't necessarily rent a pickup truck. Uh, If you got kids and grandkids and all that other stuff, then I'd say rent a minivan. But if it's just you or your significant other, get something that you're going to really enjoy.
0: Yeah. Something you have fun with, make sure the golf clubs fit in the back. I'm not a golfer, but I, I know you are, Matt, and that's probably worthwhile. But, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I think it would be cool to rent a, a Camaro now toward yeah. the end right? I mean right. and a Camaro convertible is really kind of a cool looking car. I saw one on the on the road the other day and I went wow that is really good looking it's so not of today, right. <laughs> but this is a rental, right? You're not going to yeah, have it forever. Yeah, you're so. invested
1: in it. Yeah, for life. <laughs> right.
0: So, our Mustang it, it, convertible is the other logical uh, one to rent. I think uh, those are the convertibles in a lot of rental fleets. But nowadays, I think there are some rental companies that have much more interesting cars. You can, right. you know, try out a BMW, for example, for for. Uh, a couple of months when you're down in Florida, you know, kind of style. Maybe you can get a pinky ring, too, and, uh, you know, maybe right. start wearing some gold chains around your neck and have some fun, fun with that.
1: The other great thing about rental is that it's not a long-term commitment. So why rent just one thing? You know, maybe you get a convertible and you're down there and you decide that you want to go out into the Everglades and you get some sort of SUV or or or, or Jeep. Right. Uh, you're, you're not are Or a swamp in. boat for that. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not locked in. Right. That's the beauty of, of short term rentals. Yeah.
0: And I like being in Florida in the winter uh, rather than being up in the Midwest, right. as you and I know all so well, right? Yep. Yep. Well, here's a question. This is from Tomas. Or maybe it's Thomas. He's in Venice, California. He says, Why do gasoline prices go up and down so much? Gas cost $6 a gallon a couple months ago, and now it's about 450 Why the big swings?
1: Well, there are a number of factors in play. A lot of it has to do with demand um, and refining capacity. Um, and also, there's always a changeover, especially in California, from, uh, in blends from winter to summer uh, fuels. They, they try to make the fuels less volatile in the summer, so there's uh, less evaporative emissions. So uh, anytime there's a changeover in, in refining, capacity goes down prices go up. And and it's a regional thing, too. I mean, some places, um, gas prices don't fluctuate as much as they do as, as in California, places like Texas and, and Florida. Yeah. And,
0: and we still see South. swings all across the country. And one of the things about gasoline is it's largely a commodity, right? And there's right. very few things that we buy that are just commodities. Uh, you know, you're buying brand name this, brand name that. You go to the grocery store, Maybe eggs are a commodity or something like that. We've seen some swings in prices there, but with gasoline, it's you know
1: pretty much That's supply what, and demand. How
0: what does a barrel of oil right. cost and all of that?
1: Exactly. I think that if you keep tabs on what a barrel of oil costs, you'll be able to predict which way your your gasoline prices are going to go uh, over the next couple of months. Right. Right. No. Well, Matt,
0: tell us about uh, How to Buy an Affordable Electric Car, A Tightwad's Guide to EV Ownership. That's your recent book and
1: terrific book. Tell us about it. Well, it's it's really kind of a beginner's guide to what driving an electric vehicle is all about. And, and to our earlier discussion where we were kind of talking about uh, them being too expensive, there are some affordable alternatives out, out there. I explain that in the book. I explain what it takes to do home charging What's going on with public charging? Um, there are maintenance things that you need to take care of in an EV that you may not be aware of. You don't have to do oil changes, but there are certainly other things that that demand your attention. So I, I think it's a great sort of uh, how-to guide to to if you want to go electric. If you're interested in the book, you can find it on Barnes and Noble and Amazon, or you can come to my website, tightwadgarage.com, and uh, order a book and Get educated on EV ownership.
0: Right. Give yourself a Christmas gift. And, you know, there you how go. To buy, how to Buy an Affordable Electric Car, a Guide to EV Ownership by Matt DiLorenzo, our friend and uh, great great guy as uh, co-host on the show. And if you're looking at books and on Amazon, you can check out my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime thriller inspired by true crime. For some reason, I have this passion for crime. I don't commit them, but I do study them <laughs> and... Um, I think Dance in the Dark kind of expresses that. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, it's a great late Christmas gift. Again, maybe it's a Christmas gift for yourself. Look for that in Amazon both Kindle and paperback form. As I say, if you like America on the Road, please pass it on. Listen to it on uh, listen to it on this radio station. Let others know where you listen to it, at what time you listen to it. We're we're typically on Saturday mornings on the SportsMap radio network stations, and we. We're happy to be on terrestrial radio. We love it. And uh, you can also get a podcast version of the show. You can subscribe to that. It's on all the major podcast outlets. So look for America on the Road there. Like I say, pass it on. If you like the show, like it. Appropriately like it uh, on the the podcast. Give it a five-star review if you so feel. And subscribe, and uh, we'd be forever grateful. Matt will come to your house and bake you a cake. You know, not, <laughs> yes, not really I but uh, he will be forever <laughs> grateful as I will and uh, we're very grateful that you're with us on America on the Road we do appreciate it you're the reason we do what we do you're the reason we get to drive the cool cars that we get to drive and have the fun that we have and do all of that we try to give back by giving good advice so look for us next time for another edition of America on the Road Hi, this is Jackie Rad, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him He meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel, so he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon and at E. M. Lancy Publishers. Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out.
1: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done.